Welcome to Understanding the Bible with Pastor Stephen, episode 39, The Armor of God. And today we're talking about righteousness. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13 says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, we talked about that last week, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. So in Roman times, the armor of a Roman soldier, the breastplate, which you should be familiar with that from movies and such, is it protected the upper part of the body, right? The most important part was your heart, your lungs, all of your major organs, right, is what the breastplate covered um, from probably like the neck down towards your waist area or the abdomen. If a soldier didn't wear the breastplate, a sword striking the upper part of his body would incapacitate him and take him out of the battle or kill him, right? So that's why you had that armor, that breastplate. It was a protection. Uh, The first thing, of course, is to understand what is righteousness. It's the quality of being morally right or justifiable. And justifiable means defensible, able to be shown that you are in the right. In God's view, we are defensible. He can defend us as being in the right or as being righteous because of Jesus Christ and his payment on the cross for all our sins. Righteousness, there's two ways you go about getting that. One, by doing what is right, and two, by avoiding what is wrong. So we need to be on the moral right side of things. We also need to understand morality. Uh, Morals is what is right and wrong regardless of how you feel about it or how society feels about it. So for instance, a couple hundred years ago, society thought that slavery was okay. The majority of society, the laws, legality and such had determined it was okay to own slaves, but slavery, owning another human being was viewed as right. Obviously, now we, as a society, we have come to believe that that is wrong. So has it changed over time that slavery has become wrong? No. Morally speaking, slavery has always been wrong. And the Bible even backs that up if you read about it. Regardless, the point is, society doesn't determine morality. It has to come from someone higher. All right. And that morality, what is right and wrong comes from God. In order to be righteous, you have to be morally right. The only way to be morally right is to have a knowledge of what God says is right and wrong, which is God's word. So that allows us to understand how to live a righteous life. So when it comes to putting on the armor of God and fighting a spiritual battle, you need to be righteous. If you know the Bible and you have it memorized and you're familiar with it, when you have a trial or a temptation or something evil that comes at you, you can base your moral decisions on the word of God that you now know, that you have knowledge of, right? There's two things uh, to think of in regards to this. In the New Testament, Jesus really focused on our thoughts. It starts with our thoughts. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. You need to have knowledge of God. You need to understand what God says is right and wrong, okay? So in order to draw closer to God, you need to have a knowledge of God. And then it continues, And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So it starts with our thoughts and then it extends to our actions. Psalm 1.1, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, 
nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. Do not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. That means who you're listening to and talking to. Not standing in the way of sinners. And that doesn't mean blocking sinners. It means standing where sinners stand. sitting, Standing in their actions. Standing with them. Supporting them. Doing things that you know sinners do. And then nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. So it's saying if you are sitting in the seat of the scornful, you are consciously doing something with people who are scornful of the law and knowledge and God. And that is also wrong, even if you're not necessarily partaking, but you are complacent or you are quietly accepting of what they do. All right. But then it continues. Your delight has to be in the law of the Lord and you need to meditate in it. So you need to act meditation we've covered at another on another episode and that is where you are actually thinking about a particular scripture praying about that scripture and trying to understand what god wants you to learn from it so it's a conscious thought and effort and then it says you'll be a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season that means then your life will show fruit from that righteousness, from you following God, from you avoiding the sinful things, right? So that brings us to the second part. In order to be righteous, you need to do what is right and you need to avoid what is wrong. So you need to understand that you will be tempted. And then you have to understand that, you know, as a Christian, as a believer, God will provide you a way out of that temptation, a way out of that evil so that you don't have to do what is wrong. Finally, at the very least, you can turn away and run from whatever that evil thing is, from whatever that sin is. First Corinthians ten thirteen says, there has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. You're not alone. Other people have gone through these things, but God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above what you are able. God knows your limits. God's not going to give you something that you can't overcome. It might be hard. It might be difficult. You might be prone to doing the wrong thing in that circumstance, but with God, you are able to overcome it. And then it continues. God says, but he will, with the temptation, also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. So we do not have to worry that we can't make it through something or we can't avoid sinning or we're going to fall into that temptation again. There is a way out. And we can always run from it. God, God gives us the strength to either find the way out or to get away from it. Now, one of the important things to remember about this righteousness, and this is key because a lot of people fall into the temptation of Satan when he tells us that we're worthless, right? This breastplate of righteousness is given to us by God. The biblical term for it is imputed righteousness. That means it's not ours but it is recognized as ours. So remember, our righteousness is actually worthless. Isaiah 64, 6, but we are all as an unclean thing and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags and we all do fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. As sinners, as people who have a sin nature, when we do righteousness, it is always tainted with something, whether it be pride 
or hypocrisy or wanting people to notice us or whatever, you know, false motive you may have, no matter how hard you try and squelch it because of our sin nature, even if we do something good, it is tainted by sinfulness. Romans 3.10 says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. So how do we have a breastplate of righteousness then? Well, God gives us his sons, Jesus Christ. Romans 3 verse 20, therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Everybody's sinful. We can't be perfect, right? But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. The righteousness of God, which comes by faith of Jesus Christ, is to all who believe. We can have God's righteousness. And then it continues, for there is no difference, for all have sinned. And come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So when Christ Jesus died on the cross, his blood paid for our sins. So basically, he redeemed us out of that punishment for our sin, and he bought us with his blood. And he has justified us because of that. So when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he paid for our sins, he redeemed us, took us to himself, those believers, and then God, Jesus Christ said, you are righteous. That's what the word justified means. It's just as if I'd never sinned. It's not that you had never sinned, but it's that Jesus Christ and God, the Father, looks at you just as if you had never sinned because Jesus Christ paid for your sin. Now look at verse 25, Romans 3, 25. Jesus Christ, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. All right, so he has taken our place because of faith to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. To declare his righteousness for our sins. How can we be sinful and be righteous? Because of what he said right there. God declares that you are if you have faith and believe in Jesus Christ. Continuing, it says, through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say, at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. So he's saying it again. To declare Jesus Christ's righteousness, to justify us, the believers in Jesus. Verse 27, where is boasting then? So he's saying, how in the world can you say that you are righteous when you know it's the death of Jesus Christ on the cross that makes you righteous? It's not your own righteousness. It's God's. So don't boast about how good you are because you're not. So verse 27, where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? For works? No. Of works? No. But by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. So very clearly, once again, he says in verse 28, we conclude, this is the conclusion of the matter, man is justified by their faith. That means it is just as if you had not sinned because of your faith in Jesus Christ and then, comma, without the deeds of the law. 
That means regardless of the things that you have done, deeds are actions, right? Without your actions, doesn't matter if your good deeds have outweighed the bad or not. It is without those deeds that you are justified. And then once again, 2 Corinthians 5.21, for he has made him, Jesus Christ, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So very clearly, Jesus Christ is the breastplate of righteousness. It is not us. It is not our works. It is not whether we are good or bad or have avoided sinning or whatnot. No, it is that we have accepted the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So knowing that the breastplate of righteousness is Jesus Christ, not us, you should be fully confident that we are protected by righteousness. Go into battle against demons, against the evil of this world, knowing that you are protected with the breastplate of Jesus Christ's righteousness, that you are ready and that you are good enough because Satan will cast doubts on your worth. He'll do it all the time. You're not worthy. You're a sinner. You're a bad person. How dare you claim to be a Christian? How dare you stand up for this or that when you know that you've done this or that in your past, right? It's not your righteousness that matters. It doesn't matter what Satan says. It's the fact that Jesus Christ is righteous that protects you in this battle. I, I like to, uh, not to get into politics, but the one, one of the things I like about uh, President Trump is they tried to attack him and say he was a womanizer and he said all these uh, vulgar things about women and such. And he stood up there and he's like, yeah, you guys have known that. I, like, I, I bought beauty pageants. My, my wife is a beauty pageant woman who was a lesbian. Like, my whole life I've chased women. You guys know that. Not that we need to be proud of things that we've done wrong. But your attacks and accusations mean absolutely nothing. When Satan comes and attacks us and says, well, you've done wrong in your past, you should be like, yeah, I know. Like, it's not, it's not me standing here telling you, you know, what is right and what is wrong. It's Jesus Christ. It's God. So God is protecting you, not your righteousness, because you're not righteous. Neither am I. So since you're protected by Jesus Christ, why should we be scared? You can charge straight at the enemy having this protection, this breastplate of righteousness, and not worry about what the devil throws at you. One of the things that I, I like to uh, think about is relating spiritual warfare to my military experience. And in the military, in the army, you would wear body armor. And so you'd have this chest piece that would protect you from bullets, even rifle bullets. And we were taught that when you are shooting, you do a tripod, like you, you put your two legs firm on the ground, get a good stance, and then you put you jut out your rifle in front of you, kind of like a, a triangle. You got your two legs and then you got your two arms holding that rifle and you face the enemy. So you have a good stance and you're firm on a foundation. You're not going to be knocked over. And you're not scared of getting shot in the chest because that's where your body armor is. And that's like literally what we would train to do if we were advancing towards an enemy. Don't be scared. You know, I saw a video of a Taliban convoy. They had a sniper set up and they had blown up the road and stopped one of our convoys. And of course, our guys were well trained and they popped open the doors of those armored vehicles and they jumped out and started charging towards the enemy and this was a video that the Taliban had actually um, taken because they wanted to 
posted online and recruit people showing that they could kill Americans, right? So there was this sniper taking the video and he's talking with his uh, spotter and they're jabbering away in whichever language. And you can hear him getting all excited when they see these guys step out of the vehicle, come at him. And the guys are charging straight at him. They're not trying to hide. And so this sniper just blasts one of our soldiers straight in the chest. And the, the dude drops like a sack of potatoes. And these two Taliban guys start cheering. Like you can hear the excitement in their voices that they took out one of the Americans, right? And then this guy stands up, points the rifle at him and charges towards them. Because the body armor had protected them. And then you hear those two Taliban guys freaking out. They are scared to death. They, they were sure they killed this guy. And he stood up and came at him anyways. And then the video goes black. And guess what? Our soldiers shared that video. We killed the bad guy. We recovered their propaganda video and shared it to show the proper way to attack an enemy. When you have chest armor or a breastplate to protect you you charge full on at the enemy and attack because you don't have fear you're not going to be hurt now i know that guy was hurt he was probably bruised and had some cracked ribs but he survived when a bullet would have normally killed him right so your your ability to fight courageously in this spiritual battle comes from god you can be scared but courageously stand up and charge the enemy anyways the people who freeze in fear are the ones who die. If that soldier had laid there because he was scared and he, he had cracked ribs, they probably would have shot him in the head and then killed him, right? But instead, he stood up, he showed courage, and he charged. Never do nothing. Remember, as a warrior, as a soldier in battle, failing to make a decision can kill. So when you face a spiritual enemy or even some sort of battle in this physical world, make a choice to fight. Never do nothing. If that means you just quietly pray to yourself and ask God for help and, and cry out to God for what you need in that particular time of trouble, that's still fighting, right? You've heard the term prayer warriors, okay? You can quote scripture. You can move and go do something. You can move out of the way. You can flee, like that one Bible verse said. But you need to make a decision to do something because otherwise you're not fighting. The breastplate of righteousness should give you courage to charge into battle, no matter the odds. Remember this. You have the all-powerful creator of the universe on your side, and he has given you his righteousness, his breastplate of righteousness to protect you. Ephesians 6, 13 and 14. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. When was the last time you had the courage to stand for God, or for what you knew to be true and right? Remember, you have the truth on your side, the belt of truth, and in this culture, in this present darkness, this is the day that you were created for. You take your stand today. There is a reason God puts you in the world in this time. Fight the evil in this world. 
Next week, we're going to talk about having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So until then, remember, you are not alone in this spiritual fight. God is with you, and there are millions of believers around the world facing the same battle that you are. You are not alone. May God bless you.